Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. On tonight's program, I've looked into some stocks that uh, viewers have asked us to look at, look into. And I thought, well, why don't we have a look at what Mike Gable from Fairmont Equities is seeing in the charts. And the companies that he actually asked us, I asked him to look at were, in case you're interested, Prometicus, Star Pharma, then we've got Archer uh, Material, Lake Resources, Harm, and he brought his own special uh, company, which he thinks is really going to do really well. I'll keep that up my sleeve until you actually see uh, the interview. And then Marcus Bogan, uh, who is the fund manager for the Switzerland Dividend Growth Fund, uh, he's a specialist in picking companies that pay good dividends and reporting seasons on. So he's looked at the reporting season companies and what the dividends are likely to do and how he's going to, his fund be affected by that. And then Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21, the real estate business. I, I, I asked all the questions around you know, the, that big question, you know, will uh, house prices keep on rising when we get into the spring sales period? That's when lots of people put their properties on the market. And Charles analyzes whether the prices which we're seeing now, which are really, really high, despite the lockdowns, will that result in a, in a change that might be good for sellers or good for buyers? Um, Charles lends us his uh, enormous uh, historical experience in the real estate game to give us what he thinks might be the, the likely scenario. So that's the show. Let's kick off with Mike Gable from Fairmont Equities. Well, recently I've been asked about a few unusual companies and some companies that people would know. And so I wanted to um, get Mike Gable in to see what the charts are saying about these particular companies. So uh, thanks for joining us, Michael. Thanks, Peter. Good to be here. All right. So um, let's, let's kick off with the first one. And I think this one has reported pretty well lately too. The company's called Prometicus. Yep. Um, yeah, look, great looking chart. Uh, it was a very good, very good result last week. It's actually one that um, uh, that I thought that I bought for our clients on the back of that result. It was um, it was a pretty good one. But as we could see from the way Prometicus has been trading, it's you know it's the profile that I like, which is basically a, a stock in an uptrend, a very very sustainable uptrend. Mm. Um, so what I'm trying to show here with these um, horizontal blue lines is. You know, every time Prometicus does have a bit of a rally, it then consolidates that move by trading sideways in these um, sort of rectangular formations. And then it breaks higher, has a bit more of a rally, takes another breather and so on. So we could see it building up here like a set of steps. And, and as we could see at the top right-hand side of the screen on, on the back of a good result, it broke above that $60 mark. And, um, you know, it's traded sideways for the last few days, but look, very strong trend, and um, I think it should continue. Yeah, one thing uh, Julia Lee mentioned on uh, Monday night as well was she says, you often find the companies that really report well then actually perform well stock price-wise uh, for the next year. Have you found that kind of pattern as well? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, generally, yeah, we've, you know, we've looked into this. I think it's something like 80% of companies that report well uh, tend to outperform the market um, for at least the next few months. And the same is true of those that, that disappoint the market. So if you see a business that reports well, the initial share price reaction is quite good. 
you know, don't, don't be afraid that it's maybe moved too far because they do tend to continue on. We can look at stocks like James Hardy and so on. They're still just pushing forward. Whereas if you're trying to find a bargain um, and pick up a stock that's been sold down after a bad result, um, sure, there might be the occasional one that, that does rally, but you know, the odds are that, that the bad result ones do underperform and the good results, of course, tend to, tend to lead to higher share prices over time. Okay, mate, let's go to the next one, Star Pharma. So this is, I guess, the, the opposite of what we're seeing with, um, with ProMedicus. You know, it started the year off with a bang, uh, moving very swiftly from sort of about dollar forty to about two fifty two sixty, but it's um, yeah, look, it's been in a downtrend since then. Uh, having a bit of a closer look, there does seem to be some support around a dollar twenty. So the decline that we've seen over the last several months seems to be slowing down. Um, for me, it'd be way too early to buy um, at this level. What I'd like to see is if this is a very good support level, um, I'd like to see it start to push beyond about $1.40, and that would make me more confident that, um, that this declines over. But at the moment, it still looks pretty risky. Mm. I must admit, I wouldn't mind getting the CEO on this, explain why it was so loved in February and then so rejected yeah. from March. So, you know, th th it may well be lockdown, but I, I can't see how lockdown will affect a company like this, but we'll wait mm. and see. Let's go to the next one, mate, and that is uh, Archer Materials, AXE. Yeah, so this, this one's quite interesting, and um, I wanted to spend just a, a little bit of time here just, um, just explaining what I, you know, what I could see on the chart because it's a good lesson in trying to, to pick some good, uh, good entry points. So this chart, what I've done is I've converted it to a log scale, um, so as you can see on the right-hand side, the, uh, the prices all seem a bit out. So the reason for that is I'm trying to, to highlight uh, the, the daily ranges of this stock. So this is a daily chart and each of these little candlesticks represents a day's, a day's movement. And because it's, the share price has gone up so much, mm. um, if it's not in log scale, it's all, it seems all a bit distorted. But essentially when you're trying to find a good entry point, on a stock that starts to move quickly, it's very important, Peter, to see the the ranges of the the price ranges preceding um, the, the the potential breakout. So what I mean by that is if we if we start at um, number one, so I've circled number one at the bottom in the middle there. That was for me the first sort of buy signal over the last few months. And as you could see, the the ranges on those particular days that I've circled are quite large. When you look when you look back at the previous price ranges, so on the left-hand side, yeah. you could see that they're all quite small. So what I like mm -hmm. to find is if you get these very small ranges and then suddenly you get this big day or two up, that's usually the start of the move. So the increase in volatility there is a good sign. And we could see, you know, moving on to circles number two, three, and even four, we could see that, you know, it rallies a bit and then the ranges tighten up and then you get this big move and then and another little tight range and then another big move. So this is very important um, when you look at what it's doing now. And as you could see, the share price has pulled back in the last couple of weeks, but it's not, the ranges haven't tightened up. They're actually getting bigger. Mm. So, you know, the move that, that where I've circled number four, so that move towards the beginning of August, 
was a very powerful move. If the share prices had tightened up and, and it moved sideways a bit, that'd be great. But what we've got here are some very big ranges. The volatility is just very large now. So I think to find an entry point now, it's, it's too late. So it's very risky here. You could buy it today to be, could be up 10% tomorrow, could be down 20% tomorrow. So what we need to wait, we need to be patient with this one, wait for the ranges to, to tighten up, wait for it to slow down. Um, just like we saw um, sort of more on the left-hand side of this chart. Uh, and then that will give you the better entry point. At the moment, the volatility is too great. Good analysis, mate. Well, Michael, what about Lake Resources, LKE? Yeah, I really like this chart, Peter. And um, I think this one can actually continue higher over time. Um, when you see a stock uh, pull back for a few days or, or a few weeks, um, for a lot of investors, it's hard to know, look, is this just a short-term thing or is it the start of something a little bit more dangerous? And um, as we saw with, um, uh, with the previous stock, you know, the, the moves down are quite, uh, quite deep uh, and the daily ranges are quite large. Um, but what's important to, to look at when a stock starts pulling back is, you know, is, is it making much ground on the downside compared to its previous rally? So in the case of Lake Resources, we could see that um, at the end of July, the share price uh, rallied very strongly um, in the space of only about seven days. And since then, it spent 14 days and it's, hardly, it's been hardly able to, uh, to go much lower. So in terms of charting patterns, this is known as a flag. So quite simply, you could see the flagpole on the way up uh, and the movement at the moment is, is, is the flag itself. So, so this is this is showing us, you know, visually that the I think the bulls are still in control of this stock. There was a bit of a big range down a few days ago that was a little bit of a concern. But the other thing that's worth looking at is the volume on the way down. So at the bottom of this chart, I've got the volume bars, and you could see that um, on the way up, sort of at the beginning of August, there the volume started to spike. But since that peak, we could see that there's been a clear trend in volume uh, on the way down. So as the share price has gone down, the volume's been, been coming back as well. So that would give me confidence that, that any weakness over the last few days is nothing to be worried about. And, and I think it's just a matter of time until this one kicks higher again. Okay, so we'll take that one on board. The next one is um, HUM, H-U-M. So we've, um, yeah, we've got one here where there's not really much to add, except as we could see on this long-term chart, it's been in a downtrend since 2013. Um, so still in the downtrend, when I look at this one on a, you know, on a bit more of a shorter term basis, I still can't see anything that indicates to me that it's ready to, um, to break that downtrend. It, you know, from the March lows, March last year, that is, it did bounce for a couple of months and then it's just been sliding back. So um, I think for this one, the risk is still to the downside. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember the, the, the company name it used to be before. Flexi Group. Yeah, it used to be Flexi Group. Yeah, Flexi Group. And it, and it really has struggled for a long time. Now, it was a company I always thought had a, a good business model, you know, um, finding, um, you know, a, a, sort of uh, finance for small businesses, but mm. 
the, you know, this, this reinvention of itself more along like an afterpay or zip, and they just really haven't cracked it, have they? That's yeah, that's that's right. And yeah, there's a huge, huge difference to the share price performance of of this, of course, compared to, to something like a zip. Yeah, and I think they were trying to go offer that kind of buy now pay later service on, on slightly bigger loans for small businesses. But at this point in time, this chart is not giving us any confidence whatsoever, is it? Yeah, that's that, that's right, Peter. At the moment, it's uh, a bit of a bit of a capital killer. I think there's better things to do with your your money while this one's sliding back. Okay, let's go to the one you like now. So that was what, what viewers had asked us to have a look at. I always ask you to pick out a stock that you think is looking good. And this one is Corporate Travel Management, CTD. Yeah, so this is this is Corporate Travel. Hmm. Um, so I actually have been buying this one. Uh, I started buying this one yesterday. So it's still pretty fresh here. I'd, um, you know, I'd still be happy to buy it hmm. at, at current levels. So Corporate Travel, um, you know, I know people will hear that think, well, you know, you're taking a bit of a risk there, travel. You know, we're not going anywhere, clearly. We're all still in lockdown. Um, but there, there has been a very clear movement since Monday in travel stocks. And yeah. I think that's, that's as a result of, you know, potentially better vaccination rates, um, maybe a little bit more sort of clarity from, from the we're heading and, and when we can open up. So the market's starting to feel a bit more confident that, um, you know, mm -hmm. a bit more certain about, about our impending uh, freedom. Um, and you've probably also noticed in the last few days, a lot of defensive stocks have, have started to come back as well. So there seems to be a bit of a rotation here. Corporate travel is, obviously they're involved in, uh, in organizing travel for, for corporates, uh, hence its name. But the good thing about this business is they do have a lot of business in the US and in Europe as well. So it's not just a, you know, Australia in lockdown story as much as say a web, a web jitter or a flight center might be. So um, with this particular chart, um, I've, I've spoken about this, this setup before and it's just a great setup. Um, it's where you've got a stock that's, uh, that pulls back from a high uh, and then it congests under it. So. Um, coming specifically to corporate travel, we could see that in March, uh, there was a peak there before it got sold down, rallied back up to that peak in June. So in June, it was, it was back to, to that March level. And obviously, that's where, when we had our lockdown. So you, you'd think that over the last couple of months, there would have been some, some selling in a stock mm -hmm. like this. But as we could see, since the start of June, it's just gone sideways. It's just sat under that, that peak, which is where the the blue line is. And uh, when a stock does that, that's, you know, that always grabs my attention because it's showing me that every time someone steps in to sell it, they're pretty much met by equal buying and that's why it goes sideways. Mm. And then we could see yesterday, it finally popped up to a new high for the year, which means a lot of that selling is gone. Uh, and it's followed through today when the market's down. So I think this one will continue to kick on. It's a, it's a very similar chart, Peter, to another stock in this sector, which is Ardent Leisure. Um, and that's up 25% today. And um, it's actually one that in your Switzer Super Report, um, we spoke about two weeks ago. So that's having a cracking day, Ardent Leisure up 25%. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's already moved quite a bit, but 
but corporate travel is just beginning the move now. Yeah, and Arden Leisure has those um, those uh, holiday parks in, in on the Gold Coast and whatever. And so the supposition mm. is, just like with this, if vaccinations are getting better, we, we saw today New South Wales on September 13, I think, is going to allow yep. groups of five to who have been vaccinated to to meet outside. Um, and we're going to start seeing more and more restrictions taken away over the next three or four months. And that's going to be great for companies like corporate travel, art and leisure. And those Qantas has had a nice comeback as well. Yep. Which I'm really happy about because every time I'm asked about what I like for the future, I say Qantas because I figure by the middle of next year, we will be flying again. So the prices we're seeing now mm. are very much um, affected by the fact that there's been enormous fear about when we would fly, but eventually will. And that's the, the good yep. kind of stock to buy for the future. Mate, great seeing you. Thanks very much for your offering. And if people want to know you come from Fairmont Equities. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Peter. Become an annual Switzer Report subscriber and get unprecedented access to my seven investing principles where I reveal the exact strategies I use to invest. You'll get access to an exclusive PDF, video recording, and even a free copy of my book, Join the Rich Club. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, a Switzer Report subscription is one of the wisest investments you can make towards your future. Find out more at switzerreport.com.au slash YouTube offer or click on the link in the description below. Well, it is reporting season and Marcus Bogdan is the fund manager of the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund. A lot of his uh, stocks have actually reported. So let's just see what he's found. Marcus, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Good to be here. So I want you to just kick off by run through some of the, the companies that are in your portfolio and what's your take on them and what's the dividend news? Uh, the dividend news is very good. Um, collectively of the companies that have reported so far in the portfolio, uh, dividends are up over 30%. Uh, the, the reporting season started very strongly um, with CBA and Sun Suncorp uh, delivering a very strong uplift in dividends. Then we've seen also uh, good performances in the telecommunication space, particularly Telstra and Spark. Uh, and then today, uh, it's been the consumer staples, uh, Endeavour and Woolworths uh, have reported strong results and Woolworths uh, reported a good uplift there in, in dividends as, as well. There's also a buyback mentioned as well, which surprised a few people. Yeah, would, the, would your fund benefit from a buyback? Well, the buyback uh, from Woolworths uh, was expected because it's the proceeds uh, from, from, uh, from, from the Endeavour um, demerger. Uh, and so that will certainly help in terms of reducing share, uh, share count. Uh, and then ultimately, that will be attractive to earnings per share going forward. So it's a, it's absolutely a net, a net positive for investors. Okay. Look, uh, going into reporting season, you know, um, you had, I guess, a certain uh, um, forecast on what your dividend might be. From what you've seen so far, are you um, raising what you thought might be the, the possible dividend? Yeah, so coming into the 2020 uh, financial reporting season, there was a high expectation around 
earnings growth and dividend, dividend growth. Earnings growth are plus 20, 25%. Uh, and we've seen that reflected in the portfolio, particularly on the dividends. Uh, so we've had We've had uh, good dividend releases. We've had some special dividends, uh, and we've had some we've had some buybacks as well. So there is uh, a high level of consciousness among Australian corporates about providing shareholders with continually good dividends. And I think, uh, importantly, I think uh, you know this. They're on sustainable settings as well. You've seen that with the banks. Uh, they're more modest payout ratios, but you are seeing the benefit there of earnings earnings recovery. Once upon a time, a fund like yours wouldn't have actually held a company like BHP for dividends, but it's been a, a great dividend pay in recent times. The revelation that they're changing, you know, they've basically rolled their oil assets into Woodside, um, they're pursuing potash and all those sorts of things. What's your outlook for BHP's dividend going forward? Well, I think in recent years, and I think you can take this across each of those big iron ore miners, is there's been an inc uh, incredible discipline around capital expenditure, about rebuild, rebuilding the balance sheets there and being far more fo focused on shareholder returns. And so as commodity prices have risen, free cash flow has gone up, particularly because they're not spending as much capital. And, uh, and so that free cash flow is then being delivered back to shareholders through higher dividends. And you're absolutely right. This is in, 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 this is in recent terms, this is a, a, um, a new phenomena from the miners of being uh, providers of very, very attractive dividend yields for Australian, for Australian shareholders. And yes, you are right. They're also pivoting uh, to, to new businesses, but notwithstanding that, Iron ore and copper will still be the core drivers of this business uh, for the foreseeable future. Yes, they're, they're going to spin off uh, the petroleum assets, but that's around 10% of, of, of revenue. Uh, and additionally, they are moving into potash, uh, but that potash investment of around $5 billion dollars uh, you won't see any of the benefits of that until around uh, 2027. So it very much still is, um, and we have to be mindful of, it's around the iron ore markets and the copper markets and to a lesser extent nickel going forward. But I do expect that that generosity and that focus on shareholder returns will remain with BHP for the foreseeable future. So does that mean you'll keep BHP with the same uh, relative holding in the portfolio? Yeah, I mean, we, we still think that we're going to still get good dividends around uh, BHP, uh, and they have been executing very well. Okay. Any other either surprise or interesting dividend stories coming out of reporting season, Marcus? Um, I think more so on the outlook. Um, so in the first half of the reporting season, we did see more um, earnings beats. Uh, we saw stronger dividends. Uh, we saw more buybacks. I think more recently, uh, there's been a more cautious 
tone around guidance, particularly with Australian companies facing in to uh, both New South Wales and, and, Victor and Victoria. So we'll just need to see how that plays out. But the portfolio is pivoted towards um, those strong consumer staple or defensive industrial companies like Amcor and, and Brambles that is still generating very good earnings uh, and, and very attractive dividends for investors. Marcus Bogdan, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Peter. Cheers. We're joined by the founder of Century 21, Charles Tarby. We want to get an idea of what's going on in the property market right now. Charles, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Peter. So last time I spoke to you, you were making the prediction that you thought that um, selling a house now might be better than waiting till spring. Do you still believe that, Charles? Yeah, I actually do, because I'm seeing so many signs that right now in the area, it's quite—it's uh, really quite embarrassing, actually, Peter. I—I'm—I'm I'm frightened for some of the results I'm seeing, uh, and uh, I'm frightened for some of the people that are buying because I, I think it's going to take them at least uh, one and a half to two cycles in terms of a boom before they're going to get, you know, their money back. And it is, and 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 hopefully make some capital gain. It's been a really interesting time, a really interesting time. Yeah, I, I guess. Are you saying this is happening in all suburbs or in some suburbs and that's where those people may well be overpaying and it'll take a long time to get it? Yeah, generally, generally areas where there's a shortage of stock. I mean, there's, there's a shortage of stock across the nation in terms of, of what it's been like. I mean, we're, we're down 7% plus, 7.02% over this time last year in the amount of stock that's on the market. But, and you keep in mind what's going on with COVID and a lot of people are not wanting to list their properties for sale. They don't want people through their homes. They can't get people through their homes, particularly in Sydney. If you're, you know, five kilometres outside, it's, it's risky business trying to leave your area. So there's a lot of stock that's not on the market. So meaning for me, it means that for that stock that is on the market, it is potentially getting a better opportunity then when lockdown comes out and spring comes into full fling, you know, and there's listings everywhere, I think it's going to be a very different marketplace. Mm. So I guess, are you saying that if, for example, we assume that by November vaccination rates are high enough for a lot of restrictions to be taken away, the Prime Minister is saying 70% and he'd be pushing for restrictions, I think, in New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian would also be supportive of that. As those restrictions come off and more business normal circumstances start creeping back, which I don't think will really happen until next year, but still it'll be, be a progress from November through to, say, uh, February, March. But you're, you're thinking then that that will lead to a lot more property coming on the market, maybe November, December, January, February, or whatever. Yeah, look, I think so. I mean, I expected the market to, to have a slightly flatter plane, and it does in some areas. The auction results are indicating that it's flatter. But um, that's also when you think about how much stock has, has been withdrawn from sale uh, in, in the Melbourne market before auction. The fact that you can't even do an inspection in Melbourne. Uh, I spoke to my uh, Auckland uh, and Wellington uh, principals this morning. Same thing. You can't. Go out, you can't show property. In New Zealand, well, 
Yeah. So, sorry, yes, Wellington, New Zealand, my apologies. Um, the, the issue is uh, that why would you have your home on the market? But there are still plenty of buyers out there. This is the difference. And in some areas, like where I live in the lower Blue Mountains, people are still moving fairly freely here, although within their five-kilometre zone. But most people who want to live in Glenbrook or, or Blacksland or these areas where I live um, are in the area and, and want to stay in the area. And so they're out buying. And, and I drove around, look, I can only find a half a dozen homes that are for sale in this area in that price range. And mostly the median price in, in Glenbrook went over a million dollars uh, just a few weeks ago. So they're out and about. There's only a handful of listings available for them to look at. So the agents are just calling for bids and expressions of interest. They give a price range, which you, you pretty much know is going to be at the top end or breach the top end. Uh, so it's getting incredibly difficult. But they're there and they're buyers and they want to buy today. They want to wait. Are you of the belief that in particular a market like Melbourne, where that you've seen this, I think last week, wasn't it? Only 50% of properties were withdrawn before auction. Are these people ultimately going to be sellers eventually? And that would probably be a typical, a typical example of why there might be an oversupply of property. When I, I, yeah, I, I think you'd have to say that. I mean, when you look at the number of auctions that, are going up compared to, keep in mind this time last year, we were pretty much in the same boat, I think, when it comes to being locked out, locked down, whatever. There are all sorts of things going on around about the same time. Um, if you can't sell your property or if you can't demonstrate it effectively, if you can't let everybody in the marketplace see it, it's clear. I mean, I, I withdrew my property for a sale, a commercial property up in the top end of the mountains, right at the start of this lockdown because that my buyers are not, not mostly local mm. and uh, they can't come and see it. I mean, yes, you can come and see it, but they don't want to come and see it. And it's too far away. They'll get stopped by the police. You have to give a valid reason. Um, I got stopped by the police uh, going to uh, a, a property, uh, the, the business I have at Kangaroo Valley. As you know, I, I own the, the, the uh, golf course there. And I hadn't been for weeks and weeks. And, and I thought, I better go down and have a look. I, you know, the team are out and about, I don't know what they're doing. So I drove down, I got pulled over by the police and he, he tried to say to me, oh, you, you know, you're out of, out of area. I said, well, I've got a business. So I rang New South Wales Health. They said, go, you've got a valid reason. Then it comes up to what the police officer decides. And he really gave me a bit of a hard time uh, before he finally let me go. Because luckily he didn't look at all of my other records, Peter, otherwise he'd have kept me locked up there at Midigon. <laughs> you're probably so, driving a flashy car as well. <laughs> So it's it's pretty hard to get around, and I think if you're thinking of selling, um, and you're you're looking for an out of town buyer, it, you're going to probably uh, withdraw your property from sale. Yeah, and I must admit, even though it's it's nice to believe that you can check a property out online and whatever, yeah, I could never imagine uh, lining up a big debt for a home without walking through the place. Yeah, we've been down that road. We've been down that road, Peter, and everybody said it was going to happen. A lot of overseas buyers with a lot of money don't care, so they'll they'll put they'll put the money down uh, and and buy online. But look, it, you, when you look at the majority of Australians and the way they shop, and they said that window displays and real estate offices wouldn't have any say. Mm -hmm. um, but, but even as, as we start to open up, there's a lot of local community. And, and if you don't have a shop front in some areas, you're not part of the local community. So 
I, I think people want to look at properties. I certainly still would want to look at a property. Um, I, think I, was, I don't think I was shocked about, and this is even 20 years ago when we sold a property, the, the, the lawyer who drew up the contract for the buyer put in sort of conditions that basically said that if there are any building problems with this building, we would be responsible for it if, for oh. example, if our insurer didn't. Are you because people are now buying online and they have those kind of inspections? Are you seeing those sorts of clauses in contracts to protect the buyer? There is definitely a lot more going on, but you can push back. I mean, most people are try will try it out, but you can push back, and you can push back because, as I mentioned, in some areas, if you get too too uh, clever with your contracts, um, you uh, and you want to buy something, you're going to miss out. People yeah. are just going to go somewhere else. And, it, and I've said to agents, so you go to agents now and you say, look, um, let the vendor, I said this to an agent the other day, let the vendor know we can settle with buy and sell, buy and settle within a couple of weeks, which I think is a massive advantage to, uh, a, which was a property that was vacant and the owner's living somewhere else. The agent even didn't even convey that because he didn't need to. They got that many people clamouring for the one house, they don't care. As I said, heaven help the real estate agents out there right now uh, when when the real real estate market comes back, um, they are not going to make it because they just haven't learned how to negotiate and they've lost their negotiating skills by then. And so when, make it easier. And when do you think that real market will come back, um, Charles? Yeah, I think I think that will come back as soon as we're out of lockdown. I think you'll see a clamouring. You'll see a spike again, like we saw with the last one. Then you'll see that slowdown process start to occur again, which is what we were seeing. We were seeing it. Uh, and, and I think it's still there. The valuers, um, they don't get paid very much for the valuations they do, Peter. And, and that's a bit of a shame. They should get paid a lot more uh, because they, they, it's risky. It's a risky business. And um, they're going to have some real trouble getting properties to contract, valuing properties to contract price because many of, many of us are confused with the prices as it is. And... Unless you have a really, really good deposit, I think it's going to be harder and harder for valuers and banks to see the benefit in, in letting you buy a property. Okay, so, so listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, anyone who's out there as a house flipper, buy cheap, sell, sell, and the market's up, should be cautious about 2022. But if you're a buyer and you keep missing out, maybe there was some good news for you in 2022? Maybe there's some good news. Maybe that levelling out, you might... You might actually look back when we go back over those old predictions where the market was going to drop 30%, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think you might look look back in a year's time and I think you might see a, a market where buyers and sellers are back to negotiating a transaction uh, rather than it being a rush. Okay, Charles Talby, founder of Century 21. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Peter. And that's the show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Next week on Thursday and Friday, we're having a, a listed investment conference where lots of uh, interesting uh, fund managers will be presenting their uh, particular funds. If you want to join in, it's a, a virtual or online conference. Just click on in the link in the description below and you can attend. I look forward to uh, talking to you next week with the Switzer Investing Show. And if you show up to the, the conference, it'd be great to see you then. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week.